And 10 minutes of my time was just taken. <laughs> so Lilia, I'm sorry, but I'm going to put that 10 minutes back on, on the back. So I'm going to forget about those times back there on the wall because I'm 10 minutes ahead of what it says. So we're good. We're good. Good, good. Thank you. Good morning, folks. Good morning. Good morning, church. Good morning, church. This is Christmas season. And as we say so often, God is good. And all the time, God is good. We're, we're entering the Christmas season where folks are just running around. And pastor said he went shopping and, and he, well, for whatever reason, the cashier says, you know, happy holidays and those types of things. Well, I went to three stores just to get Christmas cards. And I had the hardest time finding Christmas cards that had a spiritual message about Christ's birth or the three wise men or three kings or glory to God in the highest, all of those things. It was all, you know, happy holidays, those types of things. No message to talk about the birth of Christ. No message to talk about the reason we're even talking about Christmas. No message about why the cards are even made to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so that leads me perfectly into the, the message that I, that I put together for you this morning. And I want to read to you two verses before we get started. This morning I want to read to you Romans 1 and 16 and Psalms 27 verse 1. And for your safety or your sake, I'm reading from the King James Version, which will be there. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Psalms 27 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You probably noticed that the emphasis of both of these verses is on salvation. What does salvation mean? A definition of the Christian doctrine of salvation would be that salvation is deliverance by the grace of God from eternal punishment for sin, which is granted to those who accept by faith God's condition of repentance and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, salvation is available to from Jesus alone, in Jesus, and is dependent on God for provision and assurance. John 14 and 6 tells us that Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4 and 12 tells us that neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is none other name under heaven given among men except the name of Jesus, whereby we must be saved. Depending on who you ask, the word salvation can mean many different things to different people. But this morning I want to share with you 
what salvation means to me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this, eve, this morning for your grace, your mercy, your loving kindness, your faithfulness for all the things that you have done for us. A little thing that we don't take for granted, like just going to bed on last night, waking up to see this day. Millions of folks around this world did that same thing. Went to bed on last night with intentions of getting up just like we did. But they didn't. For some reason, you blessed us, Lord, and we thank you. But even more than that, Lord, you blessed us with your salvation. And this is the season that we hear about you coming to give us life. And so I pray, Lord, as I deliver your word that someone's heart might be touched, that someone will come to you and just say, what must I do to be saved? And we thank you for this day and for the word that you're going to go give us in Jesus' name. Amen. What salvation means to me? Well, first and foremost, salvation means peace. What is, what is peace? A very familiar verse in the Bible tells us that peace is the fruit of the Spirit. Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness. And in both of these, the Old Testament and the New Testament, peace is described as having a right relationship with God and with others. Both Testaments describe peace in two ways. It speaks of having peace with God, and it speaks about having the peace of God. Before we can understand what it means to have peace with God, we must first recognize that human beings in the natural state, they're enemies of God. You're probably saying that's a pretty harsh statement to make, that human beings are enemies to God. But just stay with me. When God created man, that is Adam and Eve, they were at peace. When he first created them, he looked at them and he said to them and he blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply the earth. Everything they needed or wanted was all there for the asking. All they had to do was to obey his command by being obedient to his word. However, that peace was lost when they turned against God and brought because of their sin. And most of you, if not all of you, know the story has gone down in history and known as the eating of the forbidden fruit. As a result of their sin, mankind inherited that natural sinful nature. And thus we are born with a disposition to please our own selves and to do whatever we feel is right in our own eyes. This, rebellion, this rebellious nature set us at odds with Almighty God, and we no longer have peace with him. The prophet Isaiah says in 59 and 2, he describes our state of being. He says, your iniquities or your sins have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. We cannot create peace with God because our best efforts on our best days 
are nothing but filthy rags compared to his holiness. So in our sinful state, we cannot have peace with God no matter how hard we try. Because between the sinner and God, there exists a state of antagonism, hostility, and animosity. But thanks be to God who took the initiative in pursuing peace with us by sending his son to earth. And so this same Isaiah prophesies the good news when he says in Isaiah 9 and 6, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We're far away from Christ, far away from his promises, far away from the Christian hope, far away from God himself. So what does it mean to have peace? With God. To have peace with God means that the hostility and antagonism between us and God has, has ended by Christ's suffering and death. When a person is born again, they now have a peaceful relationship with God. So we cannot be at peace with God without believing in and accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. A very familiar voice, verse, John 3, 16. We all know that one, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting, have eternal life. In other words, we go from a temporary, antagonistic, hostile situation to an eternal, peaceful situation with God. The second one is to have peace with God means our great sin, the great sin debt that we had has been paid and God sees us as righteous. We're no longer enemies, but we are beloved children of God. First John three and two says beloved and some people will say beloved, beloved. Now are we the sons of God and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he does appear, we shall be like him. There's a lot to be said about that verse, but I want to speak to you just about those first eight words. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Often when the word beloved is used, by one of the New Testament writers to address the church, such as John is doing here, most of the time the Greek word translated beloved is agapatoi, which means friends dearly loved by God. That's us. We're the beloved. Friends dearly beloved by God. And so in these particular instances or situations, the use of the word beloved implies more than human affection. The word beloved is an esteem for others that comes from recognizing their worth as children of God. In other words, we are beloved not because we loved him, but because he loved us. He first loved us. 
Those early believers were more than friends. They were brothers and sisters in Christ. And therefore, they were highly beloved. And all those adopted into God's family through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ are beloved. John says, behold or look what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. And number three, to have peace with God means our consciences are cleared. The overwhelming weight of guilt and play, that plagued us and the shame that we rightly felt for the wicked deeds we had done, they were all placed on Jesus Christ at the cross. Because of it, we have a new relationship with God and a new standing before him. Instead of running from God and trying to hide our sins, like Adam and Eve, we run to him, calling him Abba Father, and finding forgiveness for our sins. Being an adopted child of God is the source of our hope, our security, and our future. God no longer sees us as enemies. But instead, we can approach him with the full assurance of faith that as he gives the invitation in Hebrews 4 and 16, let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we might find a, obtain mercy and find grace and find help in a time of need. And when I read those verses, come boldly before the throne of grace. I thought of Billy Graham. Dr. Billy Graham traveled the world having crusades. Some of you may have been in his crusade. Some of you might have received Christ in his crusade. But he would be in those stadiums, soccer stadiums, football stadiums, rugby stadiums, you name it. And thousands and thousands of people would come to see him. Probably millions total. But thousands upon thousands upon thousands gave their life. Dr. Billy Graham would say to them, if you want to accept Christ as your Savior, see those folks coming down from the bottom, from the row, the second row, the third row. And Billy Graham would say, come on down, come on down. And while these folks were coming, a song was being sung. And that song, I want you to hear part of that today. And we're going to sing this song, Lily. Most of you know it. You know that song?
written in 1835. O Lamb of God, I come. I come boldly before the throne of grace. What is his grace? His grace is his favor towards us who are unworthy. In our, my wife and I, we need to do a Bible study at home, and right now we're using the uh, Through Vernon McGee book, Through the Bible Studies. And as we were reading, Dr. McGee, he made a comment. He says, you know, we come to God unlovely, unattractive, and unholy. And then he said, and God didn't get much when he got me. But he has me. He has me. Just as I am. Just three weeks ago, Brother Rodriguez back there, he sang the song with the group. He says, I don't know. I know it's not much, but I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah hallelujah just as I am we come to the throne of grace to find mercy and grace and help in a time of need how many of you know that we're living in a time of need someone said and excuse me Someone said, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. How often, how often, how often? Every hour, every minute of the day, I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. Someone said, it's not my sister or my brother, but it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. To have peace with God allows the believer to live without fear of death or eternity. Our hope is secured in the knowledge that Jesus has done all that was necessary to make us right with God. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. And all to him I owe. You must have read all this. She's got me going already. <laughs> Sin has left a crimson stain. But you know what he did? He washed it. He washed it. White as snow. He took away the sin, the washing away the sin of the stain, stain of sin gives us peace with God. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have made peace with God. Peace with God is one of the benefits of salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans 1 and 5 and 1, therefore, being justified by faith. What do we have? 
We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not a feeling of peace. This is a fact. This is a state of being. As I said to Latin, this is who you are. This is your identity. Human beings were created to live in peace with God. But sin destroyed that peace and still destroys it. For everyone who refuses his offer of salvation. But however, anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord and is willing to surrender to him shall be saved. Just before going to the cross and then returning to his father, the disciples were anxious about Jesus. They thought he was going to stay here and set up his kingdom. But that wasn't to be the case. As he left and before he left, when he was talking to him, he said in John 14 and 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world giveth peace, give I. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Notice it isn't the apostles' peace or the world's peace, but my peace I leave with you. Jesus leaves us peace. Jesus gives us peace. He gives us peace with God. Along with the gift or the peace of God, he gives us a bonus. He gives us the peace of God. What is the peace of God? Two artists. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, th this, this repeat of the last time. <laughs> I'll back up. What is the peace of God? Two artists challenged each other to see which one could produce a painting which would depict the ideal embodiment of peace. The first artist painted the picture of a quiet lake up in the mountains. Not a breeze was stirring. Not a bird was flying. Not a ripple disturbed the quiet waters. All was perfect silence. That, in the opinion of the first artist, that was peace. In the midst of this, the second artist painted a picture of a roaring waterfall with a mighty tree hanging over it. In the crotch of that large tree branch, bending over that turbulent water and those rapids, and almost within the reach of the rising spray from the rapids, he painted a tiny sparrow sitting calm and unperturbed upon her little nest. In the midst of that mighty roar, surrounded by what seemed to be frightful danger, 
the sparrow did not have a worry or care in the world. Her cozy little nest was snug in the crotch of that mighty oak on a branch with the raging waters could not reach. That, in the opinion of the second artist, that was peace. We often make the assumption that peace is the absence of chaos. And that's not necessarily accurate. Peace is also the presence of calm or calmness in the midst of chaos. This is a type of peace that God is offering. So let's look at what it means to have the peace of God. I mentioned this verse earlier. Let us look at it again. John 14 and 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. In the world, acquiring or obtaining peace is mostly circumstantial. Meaning there are certain circumstances that are often negotiated for the purpose of bringing peace and end to a particular problem or conflict. Many times the circumstances are so at odds with each other that it would make peace seem almost impossible because there's too much at stake and there's too much chaos taking place. Examples would be the war in Ukraine or our own political, cultural, and racial strife that seems to be sweeping our own country and seems to be dividing us more and more each day. When the circumstances align and when you are in agreement, then and only then can peace come. And because of this peace in the world, everything must line up. But fortunately for us, this is not how God's peace works. The peace of God does not come because there is an agreement that you made. The peace of God exists in the midst of chaos and conflict, and that's by design. If you, did, if you notice in the second part of that verse, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled and don't be afraid. How is this possible? If things seem to be falling apart around you and there seems to be no solution to your problem, the reason you don't have to worry or be afraid is because you have God's peace and you have God's promise. What does it mean? Paul knew that as believers, God cares about the way we think and the way we feel. But he also knows that Satan likes to attack the minds and the hearts, emotions of the believer. So in order to overcome and enjoy victory, our hearts and minds must be settled on the Lord and be prepared to engage the enemy. That's why he tells us in his word to watch and pray. To assist or help us in this engagement, Paul tells us that the peace of God will guard our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. In the Greek translation, the word guard speaks of what is called a watcher in advance. 
or to be protected by a military guard or sentinel. In most instances, this refers to a situation where an army has captured a fortress or a city. And the guard's responsibility is to keep them from going in, but it's also responsible to keep what's inside from going outside. There's times when we are possibly experiencing antagonistic, oppositional feelings or thoughts that will challenge our faith and often oppose the truth of God. I know this is not the platform to discuss certain things that are transpiring in this world. In this country, and in our very own cities. But do you know that the truth of God is under attack? The truth of God is under attack. The Bible is very specific about God's truth being challenged. His word says, God forbid, let God be true. But every man be a liar. His word says there comes a time when the world will call good evil and evil good to the point where believers, if they're not careful, if they're not watchful, if they're not prayerful, will get caught up in the middle of certain situations, certain discussions, certain questions, and question the validity of the truth of God. The spirit of Satan is still here today still telling people today you will not surely die God didn't mean what you thought he meant he did mean what he said he meant every word of what he said that's why he said the soul that sinneth shall die that's why he said study to show yourself approved that's why he said pray without ceasing and that's why he said, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. These are, there are unwanted intruders in our hearts, in our minds. And if we allow it, the peace of God that watches over us and guards us will warn us and defend us against these intruders. His peace will stand watch over us and will guard us in the rain, the snow, the heat, the cold the storms of life. His peace doesn't take a vacation, doesn't take a leave of absence, doesn't take a coffee break. He is there all the time. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The peace of God comes against any foreign invader like anxiety, worry, to keep you, keep them outside, but to keep your faith inside. So you can remain calm and focused in the midst of your situation, in the midst of a storm, just like that little squirrel planted on that nest. God is good all the time. But it's important to know or to note the context of his promise. Because that's where we find the condition. The previous verse in Philippians 4.16 says, Do not be anxious or fearful about anything, but in every situation, 
by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. Paul gives us a model for the kind of prayer we need to pray when we're anxious or when we worry. First, he tells us not to worry. Do not be anxious about anything. Then he tells us to simply ask God for what we need. In every situation, by prayer and petition, present your request. And then he says to us, thank God for all he has already done with thanksgiving. And finally, we rest knowing that he loves us and he will work things out for our good and his glory. God's peace then becomes our peace. That's why he tells us in Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Have you ever heard the saying, there's more to this than meets the eye? There's more to this than meets the eye. There's more to you than meets the eye. Give you a couple of examples. Of course, I have time. <laughs> There's more to you than meets the eyes. Example one when I was high school administrator, I was driving down the street rather fast, not deliberately, but faster than it should have been. And my son, I have no idea if it was a uh, little safety seat you put in but he that's how far back this goes that he wasn't strapped in properly in the back but I'm driving and I'm, and I'm headed over to a daycare to drop my son off but before I get to the daycare you know I look behind me and his lights are flashing police pulls me over he says didn't you see that sign you realize you're going so many miles over the speed limit and not only that, your kid isn't even zipped, wrapped right or whatever you call it, all those clips back there. He said, come, come with me. I got out of his car, my car, and I go sit in his car. And he's writing me a ticket. So then he's got all this written, and then he, he says, I need your driver's license. I gave him my driver's license. He looks at it. He says, Oh, you're Mr. Stamps. You got my daughter Robin out of some trouble. I looked at him and I said, I got your daughter Robin out of a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> he, he hands me my driver's license. He takes this thing. He says, I'll take care of this. But strap your kid in. My, his perception of me changed henceforth now and forever that day I went from a zero to a hero just in about a minute's time but he didn't know I was more to him than met his eye at that time the apostle John said God so loved the world the whole world and he has the whole world in his hands. And the whole world is his. 
And the whole world is, crea is his creation and under his authority and his lordship. But the right to be called his beloved, the right to be called the son of God, the right to be called a child of God, and even an adopted child of God, and the right to call him father is something that only born-again believers like you and I have that right. And in this world, as you go around the crowded streets and the highways, you carry that right. You carry that torch. You carry that flame. Everywhere you go and every time you leave that house, you are a child of God. You are the son of God, the king of kings. And since we are born again, and since we are God's children, adopted into the royal family, and since we are the redeemed of the Lord, and redeemed from the curse of sin, and made heirs to the promise, and since we have peace with God, let us seek to live our Christian lives as God intended, with the right thinking, the right speaking, the right acting, the right praying, so that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, continues to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ. Our former pastor, and Brother G Pastor Jeremy just mentioned this last week or so, our former pastor said, if you've got God's spirit dwelling in you, then you have a champion inside. If you've got the spirit of Christ in you, you have a champion inside. And if you have a champion inside of you, you are more than meets the eyes. That's why the word of God tells us that man looks on the outward appearance. But God looks on the inside. Because God is looking at your heart. Would you stand with me, please? As I close today, I want to share with you three scriptures that are found in the book of Numbers. These three, script, these three scriptures are often said over the congregation in many churches, including our own church, as we dismiss from service. They're very familiar scriptures that most of you and I have quoted many times. God told Moses to tell his brother Aaron and Aaron's sons about a certain blessing that they were to say over the children of Israel. These verses can be found in Numbers 6, 24 to 26. Those words are, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Usually we say these verses while standing and at the conclusion we turn around. We go give a few handshakes. We give a few hugs. Tell everybody to have a good week. And then we leave. Go out the door. But I thought about that when I was working on this. And I said, do we really realize and understand and appreciate what we just said? So, so I looked at some commentaries and I put some things together and I added a little and I subtracted a little and this is what 
I want you to see what we say. And I want you to read it with me. This is what we say when we say, may the Lord bless you and keep you and watch over you, turn his face towards you. We need the blessing that God promises in these words. God provides all good things for the chosen one. He keeps I hear something. I sit up there. Okay, I'm good. Okay. We need to be cared for by the Lord who watches over us, to have the smile of his face upon us and the riches of his grace given to us, to have him pay attention to us when we walk and when we call, and as a result of these things, to enjoy his peace in our hearts. Peace or shalom is one of the great words in the Hebrew vocabulary, and it means much more than the absence of storm, the troubled heart around us. Peace involves spiritual prosperity, quietness of heart within us, natural and spiritual health, completeness, security, tranquility, contentment, friendship, adequacy for the demands of life, and the kind of spiritual well-being that rises above circumstances and most of all peace with God and man and now while you are standing I'm going to ask you just to I don't want to say do me a favor but would you, would you mind just bowing your heads and closing your eyes I, I want to say a few words to you First of all, I wanted to tell you that I, I have some bad news for you. The bad news is that we're having and we're living in an unsettled world, an unstable world, an unpeaceful world, an uncertain world, a world that is not at peace with God or each other. And other than that, and praying about it, there's very little, if anything, we can do to change this situation. But there just might be someone here today who after hearing this message, you now realize that you have been living in your very own unsettled and unpeaceful world because you discovered that you do not have peace with God. You know that you do not have peace with God because you have not accepted him as Lord and Savior of your life. Well, I have great news for you. There's something that you can do about your situation. Romans 10 and 9 tells us that if thou would just confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Not might be saved or possibly saved. You shall be saved. Jesus said he came to this earth to give you peace, to give his life that you might have life. His words tells us the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I have two scriptures I want to share. One says now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. 
the other scripture says the day today when ever you hear my voice don't harden your heart and when I read that scripture don't harden your heart I thought of the story of the rich young ruler in the Bible that came to Jesus most of you know it some of you don't but very briefly I'll share it with you Jesus is walking along with his disciples and entourage people following him the Bible says out of nowhere a rich young ruler and that depends on which gospel you read as far as if was he rich was he young was he a ruler but you combine them all he's called the rich young ruler he came to Jesus and he said good master teacher what must I do how can I inherit eternal life Jesus said he gave him the Ten Commandments and you know those thou shalt not steal kill commit adultery don't false witness against your neighbor love the Lord thy God with your whole heart and soul honor your father and your mother he said basically said well that's that's it I've been doing that since I was a kid he said okay well tell you what sell all that you have give it to the poor and then come follow me the rich young man got up head down and walked away and I began to ask myself who was this young man how young how old was he where did he go when he left Jesus whatever happened to him do you think he might have changed his mind and came back what was his name we have to assume that this young man wanted eternal life because he came to Jesus and asked about it and he had been doing something trying to gain it with the Ten Commandments but he was going about it the wrong way he didn't understand that eternal life is a gift eternal life is a gift of God and you want to know something sad I put here that young man had the greatest opportunity that he probably would ever get again in his life he was a handshake or a hug or something of that sort away from salvation he had the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords right there saying come follow me and then I thought about that I said you know there were only a few people he actually said personally come and follow me he happened to be one there were 12 others who actually followed him and I'm thinking I know it's speculation but what would have happened to him had he followed him but he turned away he went away sad you who are here today you know your condition you know about Jesus you know eternal life don't turn this opportunity away as I said the Bible says the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life you are going to be 
probably already started buying Christmas gifts, buying lots of gifts. What would be a better gift if the soul that sinneth is going to die? What would be a better gift than to give the gift of peace with God, to give the gift of eternal life to your soul? Give the gift of eternal life to your soul. To your soul. You want peace with God. And if I, I'm going to give you just a few seconds just to think about that before we leave. But if I just give you a thought or two, and then I'm, I'm just going to close up. Eternal life is a gift. And it's the, you know, Kodak used to have a saying when they were old saying years back that, uh, you know, when you took all those pictures and Kodak had a commercial. And that commercial said that, you know, that Kodak and these pictures were the gift that keeps on giving. Well, I don't know about that, but eternal life is the gift that keeps on giving. You don't have to wait till Christmas, New Year's, Easter, or anything. Give your soul. When you leave here, you walk out singing, my soul looks back and wonders. You gave my soul... Your soul will thank you if that's possible. Is there anyone in here who you've looked at yourself and in, internally in you've examined who, who would love to just leave here today feeling different? Don't be like that young man. That young man left and we, they never knew his name. I don't want you to leave here this morning and we not know your name. Don't leave and we not know your name. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Then maybe there's someone who you have peace with God. But you're just concerned about the peace of God. Things are hitting you everywhere, back and forth, back and forth. And you're wondering, when is it ever going to end? Financial, spiritual, relational, work job, family. I'm fighting it. Lord, help me. I'm trying to get peace. I need peace. Maybe you might be there. I want to share something with you. Should I not share? Sit down. She said I can do it. When I was about eight years ago, I went in to see my doctor about a rotator cuff. And then I'll go from there all the way. I'll fast forward. I ended up in a, it was an MRI, and I had to go to the doctor, and I got a call from my doctor and says, I want to send your results 
to another doctor. I got a call from that doctor and said, this is uh, Dr. Siegel's whatever uh, secretary, Zangmeister's Cancer Center. Zangmeister's Cancer Center? Need you to come in for an appointment. I went in, and the doctor was talking to me, and he says, well, yeah, you've got this and this according to the, the blood test you took, and I want to run some more tests. And said, so that I had to go get another PET scan from him. But when I went in, I'm, I'm sitting there, and you go in, and they give you the, they have two drinks, and they say to you, which one of these things do you want to drink? You know, red or blue, purple and green or what? I picked one, and I'm sitting in this room with this lady who's getting ready to hook me up, and she says to me, how long have you had lymphoma? I said, you know, I didn't know I had lymphoma until you just now told me. That's the honest, the goodness truth. I, I said, I did not know I had lymphoma until you told me. And of course, now she's apologizing. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know they hadn't told you. I said, no, nobody told me that. But I'm glad you told me. At least I know what's going on here. But anyway, so I had to make the story short, make the long story short. I end up with six months of chemo. But the point I want to make is when I went in this room, it's a huge room, to go to my very first day, twice a, on a Tuesday and Wednesday of the first week of six months. And I'm walking by all these people with stuffed tubes and everywhere. And I'm looking at people, young people. And I'm thinking, why are you here? What's wrong with your blood? Then I'd walk by some folks, and I'm looking at older folks, and then I'm thinking, man, they probably won't be here when I even finish up. They just look that bad. And I, you know, I read you about the piece, and it sounded like it's very, very easy, but it's, I understand. We need help. We need prayer. We need encouragement. We need all of these things to get us through, with, even with the peace of God. And I sit in that seat, and I've got these uh, poured on, and, and he hooked me up with this chemo. And I'm just looking around, looking out the window. I picked the perfect seat because I'm looking right. I got airplanes flying over me because it's on about every 15 minutes. But am I nervous? Of course I am. Am I concerned? Yes, I am. I'm not sitting there saying, bring it on, God. Do what you want to do. I'm concerned. And I look up. And, you know, it's a drop ceiling with panels. And most of you know what drop ceiling with panels. You know, you can just push them out. And there's a painting here, and there's a word here, and there's a something. And I looked up over, I can't even say it. I looked up over my head. And that panel said, I can do all things with Christ who strengthens me. Now, if you had stood up here and said that, I, I'm going to be honest. I'll probably say, oh, yeah, I, like, I got to go find that panel. But I'm telling you, that's what it said. And my whole day, my whole demeanor, my whole outlook, every day from that day, eight years ago, changed because I said that. I said that to say this. Some, we, we're all in the, with the COVID. You got to go get booster shots. I got one Tuesday, and I haven't been right since I got it Tuesday, but I got it. Some of us, every now and then, we have to get a booster shot to just make us feel better. 
We need somebody to pray with us. Somebody just to say a word of encouragement to us. And that's what we need today. Father, thank you for... Thank you for salvation. You gave us salvation. This, in about 11 days or so, we will be celebrating the birth of your child. It might not be the actual day he came, but he did come because he came into our hearts. And we're grateful and we're thankful. And we pray, Lord, that you will bless your people now. Some of us need to have peace with you because we don't know you. Others of us, we would just like a little boost, a little more encouragement, a little more knowing that things are okay. We said that that peace of God is guarding our heart, keeping things out, letting things that should come in, in. And sometimes we wonder, well, maybe that guard did take a break because things are sure piling up. But you told us to trust in you with all of our heart. And don't lean on our understanding because things will get messed up if that's what we try to rely on. We rely on your word. We rely on your goodness. We rely on your mercy because you have done it so often for your glory. Father, for your glory again, we pray that you would bless each of us. As we go through this holiday season, it seems like every time a holiday comes, something tragic happens to someone, to some family. Lord, bless our families as we go through this season. Bless our families as we go through this season. Keep us healthy. Keep us saved. Keep us, keep us continually praying and seeking and vigilant. You came. Glory to the newborn king. You birthed a new spirit in us. And we thank you. We pray your blessings this evening or this morning, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. And thank you. Okay. Okay, you, you folks just remain for a minute. Yes, go ahead. <laughs>